The son of an NBA Hall of Famer, DJ Rodman spent four years in Pullman as a hustle player, but his dead eye outside shooting could make him a fit up the road in Spokane. Let's discuss. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to give you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. we got a fun, well-rounded show for you today. We're going to talk about the Gonzaga women's team to close out the show. they got a couple fun updates coming their way. We're also going to discuss Dominic Harris, who has landed at LMU, sticking in the WCC, what does it mean for Dom? What does it mean for the Lions? And what does it mean for the Zags? We'll cover all of that. But we're going to lead the show talking about another potential transfer portal addition for the Zags. We continue to look at ways this team can improve the roster. They still have a few roster spots to play with, kind of depending on what happens with Anton Watson and Malachi Smith. We expect Watson to come back a little bit less certain on Malachi Smith and trying to find ways to kind of fill out the roster with some of the the holes that this team may still have to fill. And I think one area where where we could see some growth is potentially at the backup three, the backup two, three spot. Again, it depends on what's going on with Malachi Smith. But one player that really stood out to me who, who very recently entered the transfer portal, doesn't have a list yet, anything like that, is DJ Rodman. And for those of you who are in the Eastern Washington area, you've probably heard about DJ Rodman. You've probably seen him play a handful of times. He's a six foot six forward from Newport Beach, California, he is the son of NBA Hall of Famer Dennis Rodman. I feel compelled to put that out there, although I think a lot of people probably could have guessed that from the teaser there. Uh, son of an NBA legend, of course, Dennis Rodman, a, one of the league's all-time great rebounders, uh, all-time great bad boys, uh, played for that those tremendous Chicago Bulls teams in the 90s. Uh, DJ Rodman was a much less heralded player coming out of high school. He really didn't have, uh, he didn't have any stars on 24-7 sports. The only other school that was known to be recruiting him outside of Washington State at the time was Cal State Fullerton in the Big West. But what Rodman did is he went to Washington State and he just grinded for four years and continued to improve, continued to see his playing time tick up. He's a fantastic player. He's really good at taking charges. He's really good at diving on the floor for loose balls. He does all of that kind of gritty, dirty work stuff uh, that made him a huge fan favorite in Pullman. They absolutely love Rodman in the Palouse and it was a little bit of a surprise to see him enter the transfer portal he kind of committed after the season he said look I got one more year left he's played at Wazoo for four years he's got that extra year of COVID eligibility and he said look I'm gonna I'm gonna play Wazoo I'm sticking around and then a few weeks later suddenly he he decides to enter the transfer portal so not exactly sure if there's anything specific going on there if he just changed his mind had a change of heart decided he wanted to capitalize after having what was very clearly the best season of his collegiate career last year for the Cougars. And I want to talk about that because he emerged as a, again, he started, he started his career playing 12 minutes a game and he finished his career at Wazoo in this last season, playing 30, making 30 starts out of 31 games, playing 31 and a half minutes per night. He averaged nine and a half points, 5.8 rebounds, 1.4 assists. He was only 46% on two. So not super effective right around there, but he did shoot a, career high by a significant mark 38 percent from deep 
38% from beyond the arc. He made 52 threes this past season. He had made 51 threes in his previous three seasons combined, of course, much more minutes in his senior year. But regardless, we saw a huge uptick in his performance as an outside shooter. And that is really where his strength could lie in a theoretical fit at Gonzaga. Uh, he also showed up in some big games for Wazoo. He had 19 points and five rebounds on seven of 10 shooting against UCLA in a home game for Washington State. He also had a nice 16 and 12 double-double at Arizona State for Washington State as well. So kind of a, a player who he's not going to come into Spokane and be an instant starter, 30-minute-per-game guy, program changer the way Ryan Nemhart is, the way even Graham E.K. is, even though his role is a little less defined at this point. Uh, but he would be a guy who would come in and play a significant role as a hustle player off the bench right away. No list has come out on Rodman yet because he just entered the transfer portal. There are plenty of schools that I think could show some interest here. I think other Pac-12 schools like Arizona State, I think is going to show some interest. I think USC might get involved especially as they've lost six foot seven wing Trey White to the transfer portal. Arizona could even get involved here as well if they wanted to. Cal is a program that has lost so much talent from their roster, so many players from their roster, and still just has a lot of spots to, to fill. And I think Rodman would be, a, if not a starter, a, a highly impactful player for that program right away. Vanderbilt's another program that has a ton of needs on their roster. Uh, a few other teams that kind of stand out to me. He strikes me as a kind of a Houston type player. If he was willing to take a smaller role, he could go to the Cougs and play there. Memphis and Baylor are teams that could use wings uh, and he would fit that bill for them. Georgetown makes some sense. Rodman has a sister in the Washington DC area. And if Ed Cooley and the Hoyas came calling, I could see him moving across the country and getting a chance to play for one of the premier big East programs in the country. So there's a lot of different options, potentially. Again, we haven't seen a list out. These are just schools that I think might make some sense. I imagine for some of you, by the time you're listening to this, you're probably, there's probably already been a list that has come out for Rodman. Again, looking at his role, we kind of already touched on this, but uh, he would be kind of the backup wing to steal venters I kind of, is how I envision it. Those two guys would compete to start at that three spot. Uh, again, we're making the the assumption that Julian Strother is not coming back. Uh, we're making the assumption that Anton Watson and either Graham E.K. or Ben Gregg are starting in the front court, that Ryan Nemhard and Nolan Hickman are starting in the back court, and that Steel Venters right now is starting at the three. Rodman would be a guy who would compete for that spot. Could be a sharpshooter off the bench, could kind of sort of fill the Malachi Smith role. I want to be clear, he's a different player than Malachi Smith, so it wouldn't fill that role exactly. But if he can shoot 38% like he did last year, and this wasn't just like 38% on one, one and a half attempts per game. He was taking four, three attempts a game. So for him, if he can continue to shoot at that rate, he would be a, a perfect addition for Gonzaga's bench, a, a hustle player, a guy who comes in, takes charges, you know, I mean, and that's kind of something that Gonzaga is missing a little bit. Hunter Salas was kind of that energy hustle player off the bench. Now they have Ben Gregg and Ben Gregg fills that role very admirably. And I do think that Rodman and Gregg would be a little bit of an overlap, but I think it kind of depends if the staff feels that Rodman can play more of a guard position because he didn't really play a lot of guard while at Wazoo. He was more, he was a distinct wing or maybe even a small ball four. And that, to be honest, that's not really a need for Gonzaga right now because they have the they have the two new guys coming in and Alex Tui and Jun Suk Yo. 
we don't really know exactly where they're at in terms of coming in and instantly contributing. I think there's a lot of optimism that Yo is a guy who could come in and play right away for this team. He's 21 years old, so he's not your traditional 18-year-old starry-eyed freshman. He has international basketball experience already. So if the staff feels like Yo is going to come in and fill a big role right away, that might make it a little bit tougher to see an obvious fit for Rodman, especially as a guy who only has one year of eligibility remaining. But I do think that there is a way, especially if Smith decides he doesn't want to come back, there is a way where they could find find a spot for Rodman, have him play some of that three role. Maybe that slides Venters down to being more of the backup two in a situation where Venters kind of fills the Malachi Smith role and Rodman fills more of the, the three role, whether that is Venters actually coming off the bench or Rodman coming off the bench and just kind of shifting Venters down into that two role. There are ways that this could work. Is it a perfect fit? No. Would it be nice to have a player who has that kind of intensity on the bench, who who comes in and makes plays, who gets after loose balls, who takes charges, who can also knock down open threes and forces defenses to respect him? Absolutely. Teams are won. Championships are won because of players like that in a lot of ways. And I do think Gonzaga has players who can capably fill that role. It's not this glaring hole. But finding a player who also fits that role, who also fills an outside shooting role, who also has the size to play multiple different positions and the defensive ability and the experience, the veteran experience to kind of know what to expect and know how this thing's going to go. I think that'd be a really nice addition for the Zags. And I'd be interested to see if they're going to pursue Rodman. Uh, we'll, We'll hopefully see a list on him very, very soon. Well, Dominic Harris has a new home and he is staying in the WCC. He's not going to BYU, which was the big rumor after he visited there over the weekend, but he is joining Stan Johnson and the LMU Lions, a very, very crowded backcourt, mind you, in LA. We're going to talk about that and whether he has a chance to nab a starting role down there after a word from today's sponsor, Bill Bar. If you're looking for a delicious snack, but you don't want all of the sugar and calories, then you need the best tasting protein bar built. You have got to try these. If you're like me and you want to make healthier snacks choices, but you don't want to compromise on taste, then I've got just the thing for you, Built Bars and Built Puffs. They are so healthy and they taste so good that you will not think that they are healthy for you. What makes them so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real dark chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro and peanut butter brownie. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is they're healthy for you. They only have 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club while you can still get your specialty flavors at Built.com. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puff. And if you're close to a Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter puff and churro puff. You can thank me later. Built Bar, a proud sponsor of the Locked On Podcast Network. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
All right, folks, I want to thank all of you for making Locked On Zags your first listen every day. For you everyday listeners, we're going to continue to keep you updated on Transfer Portal news throughout the week, throughout next week. We're going to see, start seeing some NBA draft combine stuff, so we'll have some more conversation about what that means for Timmy, what that means for Julian Strother, what that potentially means for Anton Watson and others as well. So keep sticking out right here, Locked On Zags. Of course, find us on YouTube if you have not done so yet. Just go to YouTube.com, search Locked On Zags, and hit that big red subscribe button. All right, we're talking Dominic Harris, the second of three Gonzaga players who have entered the transfer portal and now officially landed at a new home. We talked last week about Hunter Salas finding a new home at Wake Forest. Efton Reed, for the record, might be committing to Wake Forest very, very soon. It does sound like he has made a decision between, or he has limited his decision between Wake Forest and VCU, his hometown of Richmond, Virginia. I think there is some work on trying to find him a waiver and whether that is able to come together at Wake Forest or not. But for right now, he is still remains the only Zag who entered the portal who has not committed because Dominic Harris is going to LMU. He's going home. He's going to be much, much closer to his hometown of Marietta, California by being at LMU and a lot of people saw over the weekend Dom visited BYU. He posted pictures of himself in BYU gear. Seemed the po- I mean, he had to clarify on Instagram for people who didn't see this. He had to clarify, hey, I haven't committed yet because it just he was wearing the gear. He was like all excited about it. And it definitely looked like the commitment post. And he said, no, I'm just here visiting and just excited about the opportunity. And then what happened after that is that in a matter of days, BYU added two transfer portal guards. Keith Glover out of Samford who started his career at Florida, then went and scored 19 points a game at Sanford last year. And Dawson Baker out of UC Irvine, who averaged 14 and a half points per game as a 37% three-point shooter, I believe. So for BYU, they add those two guys. They have Dallin Hall coming back. They have Spencer Johnson coming back. They have Richie Saunders coming back. It started to look like BYU maybe wasn't going to be an actual option for Dominic Harris, just in the sense that he maybe they would have had a roster spot for him, but I don't think they could have guaranteed him any kind of playing time with the two additions of Glover and Baker. Sure enough, very suddenly, without a whole lot of warning, without a, a visit, without the um, social media posts that we saw from the BYU visit, all of a sudden we get an announcement from John Rothstein of CBS Sports that Dom has committed to LMU, and that is where he's going to end up. It has been a very, very busy offseason for the LMU Lions. He, Dominic Harris, becomes their fifth transfer portal edition, which sounds insane. And you think, how is there any possible way that Dom is going to find any playing time at LMU if they've already added five other transfers and three of them are point guards? Yes, that is all true. We're going to talk about that. But here's the deal. LMU has seen seven, seven players enter the transfer portal. Guess what? Every single one of them is a guard. <laughs> LMU is going to have a completely different guard rotation next season. I say seven seven to the portal. Six of them were to the portal, I should say. One of them, Cam Shelton, is out of uh, eligibility, but he's, of course, the biggest loss. Cam Shelton was one of the best players in the WCC last year. Tremendous talent, high-level score, good defender, and he's gone out to graduation. Uh, they lose James Nobles. He averaged only about two points a game last year. Kwame Marble averaged two and a half points per game. Jalen Anderson, that's a big loss. He was about a 10 point per game score for them last year. Chance Stevens has transferred to Maryland. He averaged about six points per game last year. And they lost a pair of players, Keon Nader and AJ Williams, who didn't really play, but still losing depth. So that's basically every guard on LMU's roster last year is gone. So, of course, it makes sense to be able to add a player like Dominic Harris, who has WCC experience, who has the pedigree, who's from the area. Totally makes sense. This is a very logical fit for Dom at LMU. But it's not the only addition they have made. They added added a center from Cal and Lars Thiemann. But other than that, 
every other addition they have made is a guard and it's there's some pretty good ones this has been a nice season for stan johnson they add justin wright out of nc central yes that's a small mid-major school but he averaged 16 points and 5.1 boards at nc central they also add will johnston out of utrgv rio grand valley he averaged 14 and a half points and three and a half assists per game last year and that's a team that's not not too bad uh, and then they add justice hill justice hill came from lsu a high major guard leaving lsu to come to lmu he averaged 5.6 points and 2.7 assists per game last year look i think all three of those guys are going to play justice hill justin wright and will johnson i think all those guys none of them transferred to lmu to not play they all have pedigree or they had a lot of success at their recent school so that kind of puts dom in that conversation with those guys i'm not saying he's behind them i don't think he's behind them at all but i think there's four guys right there who are all going to compete for playing time and pretty much all those guys are point guards so it'll be interesting to see if they decide to let will johnson handle the point guard responsibilities he had the best assist numbers last year justice hill who of course came from lsu does he handle the point guard duties i suspect that dom is not going to be the point guard for lmu i think they're going to play him in a more off the ball role and it's impossible to project whether who's going to start. I'm not even sure if Stan Johnson could tell you confidently who's going to start because all these guys are coming from different levels. They're coming from different backgrounds, different pedigrees. Uh, it's going to be difficult to see, to put those pieces together and kind of figure it out. But Dom is, is in a situation where he's obviously going to compete for playing time. He's going to compete to be a starter for LMU. I think there's a very real chance that he does end up being a starter, or at least a guy who plays 15, 18, 20, 25 minutes per game at, at worst. Uh, at best, he's a guy who plays 30 minutes a night for LMU and is one of their better players. I think that the range of outcomes is pretty high right now because it's early May and we're still figuring out what all these rosters are going to look like. And for, for LMU, it's a completely different team. I mean, it is. It's a completely different team for them. It's one of those things that, you know, for Gonzaga, seeing a couple players enter the portal was kind of raised some anxiety levels. And I understand why, because it's so rare. But what the transfer portal is doing in other programs is staggering. You're just seeing rosters completely turn over. And I mean, Cal had nine players enter the portal. Of course, Cal was horrendous last year. But LMU was good last year. They were, that was one of the better teams they've had in a while. And they still have six players enter the transfer portal the offseason. Like it's your entire roster. And it's not that they necessarily are going to get worse. Losing Cam Shelton hurts tremendously. But they add talented players as well. So it's, it's just one of those things where it's hard to scout. It's hard to game plan because these rosters change so much. But for Dom, the opportunity to go home to go to a program that has a more likelihood of getting him playing time to get a chance to compete against Gonzaga. I'm sure that that's a factor. There's a reason he looked at BYU and LMU. I, I don't doubt that in any capacity. And I don't have any problem with that either. If you want to go out and play against your old team, do it. Uh, but I, I don't think, I think a lot of people are going to look at this and think that Dom's going to be an instant starter and maybe he will, and maybe he will be great. But LMU added a lot of other talent in that guard room. And I think it's going to be fun to see what Johnson and that staff does to put all those pieces together and figure out how to make this work, because uh, it'll be fun to see Gonzaga get a chance to compete against one of their old players in Dominic Harris. And I hope that he does end up having a big role for that Lions team next season. All right. Well, six, six Lady Zags are going to be set to play in tournaments this month, including a three on three squad made up entirely of Zags starting play this week. More on that coming up right after this. All right, segment three, Stony Patton's still locked on Zag. Switching away from talking about the men's transfer portal, potential addition of DJ Rodman, of course, talked about Dominic Harris and his departure to LMU. Want to close out the show with a handful of updates 
on the women's basketball side. First up, four Gonzaga women's basketball players are joining a team together to participate in the 3X Nationals Tournament as a three-on-three tournament taking place in Colorado Springs, Colorado. It is part of Team USA. Uh, If they were to win it, they would have opportunities to continue to compete and represent the country going forward. The games are going to be played May 5th through 7th. So as you're listening to this, they are about to start. And the women's team is going to play Utah on May 6th at 9.20 in the morning. The game is broadcast on usab.com. So if you want to watch May 6th, 9.20 in the morning, West Coast time, the four Gonzaga players who are joining this three-on-three team, Brenna Maxwell, Vani Ejim, Callie Stokes, and Esther Little. That's a fun, fun group right there. I'm really excited to see how this team is going to participate. Again, they play Utah. It's a nice reunion for Brenna Maxwell to go play against her old team in a three-on-three tournament. Uh, the rules for this thing, it's a 10-minute clock. It's a 12-second shot clock, so it is fast-paced. Boom, boom, boom. You are going, going, going. It is the first to 21 points or whoever is leading at the 10-minute mark when the clock expires. Uh, it's a fun opportunity for the girls to keep playing, for the women's team to keep playing together, for these uh, these athletes to get an opportunity to to continue to, to grow their bond, to continue to learn to play with each other. Uh, obviously, one of the big things about this women's team heading into next season is the continuity. They return so much talent. They return all four of these players. They return uh, the Trung Twins. They return Eliza Hollingsworth. Uh, this is a team that's going to be in really good shape next season because they are so familiar with each other, because they're familiar with the offense, the scheme, everything like that. And getting more opportunities to play together during the offseason can only continue to help that grow. So uh, they, they'll get opportunities if they continue to win. They might get to play Ole Miss again, the team that beat them in the NCAA tournament. They might get a chance at Creighton, who is also participating in this event as well. There's a handful of other college basketball programs that have teams represented in this event as well. Uh, Speaking of women's basketball players playing together this summer, the Trung Twins are going to play in the SEA Games with the Vietnamese national team. They played with the Vietnamese national team last year, got to go back home to Vietnam, play in front of their home country. Uh, They spoke a lot about the how incredible it was to see the support that that country had for women's basketball. Uh, crowds, people celebrating them, you know, wanting autographs, all that stuff. And, and I know it was a really transformative experience for both of them. And now they get a chance to go back to go play again. This tournament takes place between May 6th and May 16th. So again, as we're talking right now, they are set to, to get, get started over there. Um, really excited to see them and really a good opportunity for Kaylee to continue to get healthy. She only played 10 games last year. Kaylin, of course, was fantastic last year, WCC player of the year. Uh, and, and one of the things the women's team didn't really struggle last year. They had a really tremendous season, but sure, sure would have been nice to have Kaylee for more games. She only played, like I said, 10 games. She's healthy now, gets a chance to go out, play with her twin sister and have some success playing in Vietnam before their next and final season uh, in Spokane next year. And then I want to give a shout out to Taylor Carr. Taylor Carr, former Gonzaga women's basketball player, played at Gonzaga from 2011 to 2013 after beginning her career at Kansas State. Uh, She got a new job as an assistant coach at the University of Colorado. She has been in the coaching ranks for a very long time. After playing at Gonzaga, very, very good player at Gonzaga. She started her career at Kansas State, transferred to Gonzaga, played 67 games for the Zags, uh, 29 minutes per game, 9.2 points, 3.9 assists. She was there while I was there, so I remember uh, she was the starting point guard, really, really talented player, really helped elevate the program uh, shortly after Courtney's departure uh, by coming over from Kansas State and, and kind of filling in that point guard role. She's been bouncing around. She played professionally overseas for a few years, has been bouncing around the coaching ranks for a while, started out as a graduate assistant at the University of Oregon under 
Coach Kelly Graves, not a surprise there. She ended up as assistant at Santa Clara for five years, so very familiar with what's going on in, at Gonzaga with Coach Lisa Fortier. Then she went over to Oklahoma State, spent two years as an assistant at Oklahoma State, and just recently, as in a few days ago as I'm recording this, uh, she got the opportunity to take an assistant coach job at Colorado in the Pac-12, a really really strong women's basketball power five conference. So always good to see former players in coaching. It's very cool to see Taylor Carr continue to move up the ranks as an assistant coach, uh, likely going to be set, setting herself up to be a head coach someday uh, on the women's side. And that's a very cool thing to see that Gonzaga coaching tree and former players tree continue to grow, not only on the men's side where we talk about it a fair amount with Kyle Bankhead and Gary Bell uh, and various other players, but uh, fun to see it growing and developing on the women's side as well. All right, that is going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all for listening so much. I really appreciate the, those of you who are listening for your first time, 10th time, 100th time, whatever it may, may be, those of you watching on YouTube. Again, go hit that subscribe button if you have not done so yet. Leave a review on iTunes. Give me a follow on Twitter, Andy Patton CBB. You can follow the show at Locked on Zags as well. We've got more fantastic co content coming your way later this week as we continue to look at the transfer portal, continue our season and review series. Again, we'll cover some NBA draft combine stuff coming your way as well. All right, thank you all for listening, and as always, go Zags. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grimly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.